Welcome to Think Big with Dan and Kasim. Join hosts Dan Melnick and Kasim Masood as they explore big ideas, limitless possibilities, and engage with visionaries, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders who dare to dream big, get inspired, motivated, and find practical tips for personal growth. Think big, dream bigger, and ignite your potential. All right, welcome to Think Big with Dan and Kasim. We have Mateen filling in for Kasim today, and our guest today is Andrew. So, Andrew, if you want to, if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself, tell us where you live and what you do for a living. Yeah, cool. So, my name is Andrew Miller. I um, I'm currently residing in Dallas, Texas. Just moved from Austin, and I founded a company called Seatmate. Um, kind of came from an inspiration. So, I got a small dog during COVID, like a lot of people. And while I was doing work from home, I realized how many hours a day I was losing, um, just, you know, trying to take care of him, keep him happy while still, you know, taking sales calls, things like that. About a year went past, kind of calculated how many minutes I lost in, you know, trying to keep both of both him happy and me working. And um, I want to say about 10,000 minutes. So I figured... I wasn't the only one with this problem. Small dogs are known to have separation anxiety. And so I went and built a chair, um, a chair with a sidecar. Awesome. So can you explain a little bit more about what your chair does and how it helps small dogs? Yeah, yeah. So small dogs are prone to have separation anxiety. And then another statistic that I thought was fun was it takes about 23 minutes to get back into flow state um, once you kind of lose your train of focus. My dog's needy. He would bark when he wanted something. He's like, he wanted up. I would have to share the seat with him. It just, it wasn't comfortable. It wasn't fun. So what I did was basically built this sidecar component into the chair with a a sort of a lift that makes it easier for the dog to access the chair by themselves. And kind of doing so, it has made work a lot smoother, like the nine to five. Awesome. So what did the process look like for you when you were building out this concept and, you know, finding the right manufacturers for your product? Oh man, we're still in the middle of it, but it's, it's been a learning process for sure. I think, um, I think kind of like the openness to learn new things and put myself in an uncomfortable position has really been sort of the catalyst for this. And prior to starting this company, I was a recruiter. So I was affected pretty hard by these tech layoffs I was at AWS So I've always known how to build a good team. I've known what good looks like for a long time. And I figured, okay, I'm good at X, Y, and Z. Let me go find people that are good at what I'm not good at and sort of alleviate the stress. So the first sort of concept or I did, I showed some close friends and they were like, this is the one. I've always been a little bit of a idea hatcher. Um, So I took it to a lawyer, talked to them, uh, realized it was a novel patent. Um, once I did that, I was, I reached out to my industrial engineer, uh, did about two months research to make sure I found the right guy. Um, our industrial engineer, he's worked for Crayola. He's got multiple products in PetSmart. And I want to say he's driven about a hundred million in sales and products that he's built and developed. And then my marketing team has about 600,000 followers across their socials on TikTok. So I figured sort of the perfect combination of making the product better and making sure I have a really good marketing strategy are sort of where I'm at right now. Um, But we're sort of in the process of perfecting the design. We really want to make sure the product is safe 
for both people and their animals, uh, as well as something that's not going to stick out like a sore thumb. Where humans are used to looking at furniture a lot, like we've we know what good looks like, we know what good doesn't look like. We want to make it something that feels natural in an office space. Sure. So as of right now, what does a typical day look like for you? Um, it, putting out fires, I would say. Um, so it's it could be anywhere from talking to marketing about you know, content, building out content schedules, sort of making these campaigns on how we want to approach certain markets. Um, right now, we're doing a lot of copywriting and really bolstering our website because, uh, you know, it's like the first thing you see when you hop on. Um, and we want to make sure that it accurate, accurately reflects what our product is, the quality and the team we put together. So yeah, just a lot of relaying, kind of figuring out what our consumers are looking for in this ideal chair. So we're doing a lot of almost like build in public user research that is propelling the design, which is nice because it, it, it allows us to be a lot leaner. We don't have to hire researchers or anything like that. I was a psychology major, so this is sort of my wheelhouse. And um, yeah, man, it's just kind of, we're, we're pushing it. We're, we're a few months out from Kickstarter launch. We just really want to make sure we have a good product for the consumer. Well, is your goal to be more B2B or B2C? Somewhere in between. Um, we know there is a pushback towards going back into office. This was catered towards my need to be closer to my dog while I was work from home. And it honestly has been nice because it feels like he's a little more involved in my workday without being a distraction. Um, but we do know there are pet friendly offices that we would love to target and, you know, potentially do business with. And yeah, so it's, we're going to do a little bit of both. We think the majority is going to be B2C, but we, we do, once we have a very solid prototype and like the tooling and everything ready for manufacturing, um, that's when we're going to go out and start reaching out to these corporations that have pet-friendly office spaces. You're going to be um, reaching out to PetSmart or, or these, you know, pet companies or furniture companies as well. Or are you more so targeting, you know, companies or co-working spaces? So the thing, co-working spaces are big. Um, I'm part of a social network in Dallas called Tower Club, and it, it's a cool space, but it doesn't really that specifically. I don't know if it would be the best use case. So, some like. Uh, Oh man, it's I'm losing it. What's what's the very big we work? Uh, we work. Boom. We work would be great, but again, not everyone's bringing their animals to those offices. Sort of the sorry, I'm a little lost. What was the question again? No, so in terms of like who specifically you you mentioned targeting offices, but like, you know, are you thinking of targeting co-working spaces too? Or are you like, you know, targeting maybe pet stores or furniture stores Something or like in between. Yeah, so something in between. We think we have the ability to, you know, Shopify is a great tool. Like you can make your own web front store, web store, like store space on the internet. And we have a really good web developer as well. Um, somebody I've been uh, buddies with from college. And uh, what we're, that's our main focus is driving like traffic to that. But we also think Amazon is going to be a good pipeline once our, you know, our, all of our legal stuff is squared away and we have the production capacity. We think, uh, I mean, my my industrial engineer has worked with PetSmart before, so we do have the relationships there. We just need to make sure like the financials are correct. Mm -hmm. So uh, how do you find the right technologies for your businesses? Uh, man, trial and error. Um, so I've been pretty active on like FinTwit and like entrepreneur Twitter for the last 
four or five years, honestly, since middle of college when it was a Bitcoin craze and then sort of like shifted. And, uh, you know, you, you kind of are what you consume. So I've tried to follow um, more entrepreneurial voices, people that are bootstrapping things, startup founders, and just, you know, talk, see the tools that they're using. Um, I'm not going to lie, ChatGPT has been an absolute lifesaver of like, it, not even to the fact where I'm having it do the business for me, but it's like, okay, this is my idea. And it's almost like a, a soundboard for further developing certain ideas. So that's been great. And, um, you know, we're, we're using tools like Metricool to, you know, compile everything. It's a little cheaper than Hootsuite. Um, and then we're talking to some other more startup affordable um, marketing softwares. Like, like I said, we're starting as lean as possible. Um, but I did want to make sure the team was not only motivated, uh, which is why there's equity splits there, but also they see the vision, they're able to work well together, and they're all talented in their own separate realms. Sure. So you mentioned chat GPT. So what other AI or machine learning use cases do you feel like can be in your business? So definitely an AI chatbot. I feel like that like uh, up to a certain escalation level, AI chatbot is going to be great. But in, in reality, because it's a physical product, I think, I mean, like if we could incorporate it into the data analytics and then like influence content scheduling, posting, what hashtags are working, obviously data driven is better than not. But because it's a physical product, um, there's there's not as many use cases that I can see at this moment in time, um, other than like you know being like a sounding board. So, what has been your biggest challenge in terms of starting this company? Honestly, man, it's just the, I've had a few that have like fizzled out, failed, completely different startups that were just like not at all related to this. Um, I think the biggest challenge is keeping everyone in one direction, keeping momentum and again you know trying to keep the hype while we're building in public and you know utilizing a kickstarter to actually launch scale grow and then you know start developing a v2 v3 different products around it so you mentioned that you had a couple other startups so what did you learn from those startups that you're applying here maybe things that you did wrong or things you know just like what if you really apply to this startup yeah i would say cut your losses early um I would say the biggest thing I found is like, if you can't, if you have a vision, let's say, um, for example, I'll even talk about my old startup. So the, and it was a shirt company, which is funny, but it, it got my feet a little wet in business. I've, I've owned like a, as a kid, I owned a lawn care company, but like that's knocking on doors. Hey, do you need your grass cut? For this, the idea was sort of having like a Grateful Dead theme with around like college um, mascots. So like it would take the sort of like the branding of like Alabama, Mizzou, for example, just like any big school and then giving it that like Grateful Dead theme tie dye and then releasing like an entire uh, line around each of like the big schools. Uh, get that quick buy in, have merchandising that was different than everyone else's. Uh, and quickly we realized post setting up like businesses and business accounts and everything that we were not able to do that. The licensing was off or we bought the wrong website. And yet I think taking my time, kind of figuring out what the order of operations are and making sure I'm doing it in a more lean, uh, I'm trying to be leaner, if that makes sense. I'm not trying to spend money unless it's like, okay, like we need this to get to the next step. So you mentioned also that you were a recruiter in the past and 
you know, you've been able to assemble the right team. But I, I guess, like, what, what, like, what specifically have you learned from that job and, you know, the type of people that are really going to help take your company to this next level? Yeah, I think I think a lot of people have skills. I, I think more it's more of how they work with each other. Um, and luckily enough for me, I was able to have a lot of people in my network that I could utilize, bring in, kind of tap their minds. And I know I already like they were drinking buddies prior, like for lack of better purposes. Like these are guys I know I can work with. And then, you know. Uh, industrial engineer. I, he was somebody I found. He just like instantly like clicked. We had a conversation. He liked the idea. I told him where I wanted to go with it. I think this is something that can move 10,000 units first year production. Once he heard that, he saw that I built the prototype myself. He goes, okay, you're ahead of like 95% of people that reach out. This is the first equity deal he's ever taken in a company in his 12 years of experience. So like, I knew I was onto something there as well. And then we had um, one of my really good buddies as a media company out of Austin called Q6. And I told him to like release a video to his TikTok following. He has about 200,000 followers. And that video did, I want to say 3 million views and 300,000 likes. And it's equated to a couple, like 600 people on our wait list. And then we've also been doing some guerrilla uh, Reddit marketing in subthreads. And like, so like specific breeds, for example, I, I have a dachshund. So I went into dachshunds, posted the picture that did well on Instagram and go, hey, what are your thoughts? Got a ton of user research, got like 3000 upvotes. I was like, okay, we have something viral here. Like it's, it's going viral, like pretty much almost every time we're posting it. Um, we grew an audience to a thousand completely organically, which is insane um like very quickly and yes we, we we just i'm not seeing the red flags that i've seen in later businesses like it's definitely a lot of work it's a lot of learning and like you know but like it pays off in the long run i think and i think like if you don't risk it like like you're never going to get what you want in life unless you take that risk and i'm still in my 20s late 20s but you know it's it, i don't have a kid like I, I'm not in a relationship. It's the perfect time to just like focus on my what do I want in life? And yeah, so I I felt like the risk was worth taking and I still do. For sure. So the people you mentioned you have all these people on your wait list. So are you waiting to start the crowdfunding campaign? That's when you're gonna start yeah, doing more well, of the pre-orders. Yeah. So we're we're trying to figure out our consumer's pricing tolerance because we can build like a less high quality one at X price point, a more high quality one at X and a luxury one at, you know, the the, the top tier point. We want to figure out what the audience prefers because, again, that's important. We want to make sure it's a quality product, but we don't want to price out people that need this chair that can't afford it. So we're also, um, you know, we're going to incentivize people to pre-order by doing uh, slashing uh, prices and like first multiple hundred will get it at this price and it goes up 50, 50 bucks or so. Next people get it at that price and so on and so forth. So early adopters are going to be rewarded with a more affordable chair. And then another thing we're doing is um, basically people that sign up that do our surveys and give us user research, they're going to get coupons as well. Um, so yeah, we're just trying a bunch of different marketing strategies, really. Um, and and we, we really want to incorporate like, you know, what people need. Like, I know I have this certain breed, but other people have different breeds. Like, we want to make a chair that's like, not only good for dogs, but it's good for cats. Like, how much does it weigh? 
what breed can we get into it without it being, you know, over cumbersome. And then also on top of that structural rigidity, like we don't want people falling out, hurting themselves. We don't want people's animals getting injured. That's the complete opposite of what we want to do. Um, so yeah, it's just, we, we got to take a lot into consideration when, while we're designing this and that's, that's, that's been probably the biggest challenge is to try to make the perfect combination of something that kind of appeals to everyone while still being aesthetically pleasing. So you mentioned earlier that you just moved from Austin to Dallas. It's funny because I live in Dallas, but I'm moving to Austin. We think Austin is better for entrepreneurship and founders. So did you move to Dallas for a business reason? Like what makes you think of, you know, Dallas versus Austin? Yeah, I think it's just a different city. So I'm from St. Louis originally. Um, and what I've kind of come to find out is Dallas is it operates a little closer to where I'm from than Austin does. Um, did Austin for four years. It grew exponentially. I met a lot of very smart people. Um, however, I would say my personal network in Dallas is a lot more entrepreneurial than my one in Austin. Um, like for sure, I have, I have friends in Austin that are, that are at Google. I mean, I was at AWS, but Apple, Cisco doing great, but none of them own their own businesses. So when I moved to Dallas, um, one of my, my software engineers here, um, his entire friend group, all of them own businesses, media companies, things like that. So yeah, I'm really just trying to kind of expand my network, meet more entrepreneurs and really from the jump of being in a new city, like be like, this is my thing. You know what I mean? For sure. Yeah. I mean, Dallas, I mean, also has tons of entrepreneurs. Like, I love Dallas too. I just like Austin better, I guess. It's just, you know, everybody has like, so yeah, it's, it's different. It's different. So I grew up on a farm. Uh, I, I, get, I said St. Louis, but it's like an hour south. Um, and I think the only qualm I have in Austin was like the the traffic. Like I, I could not do it. It was so hard to run errands and I feel like I'm running 24 seven anyway. So like being able to get my errands done in 15 minutes versus 45 has been huge for me. Like, I feel like I, I close my computer earlier every night. Dallas traffic can be bad, but it's like, if you avoid that one rush hour, you'll be fine. Exactly. Like the main, like, I, I don't know the road names yet, but I live right off Fitzhugh and like that main highway that like kind of separates it down the middle. As long as you avoid that, you're pretty much good. 100%. So what you say is your top business priority in the next three to six months? Top business priority is getting this Kickstarter launched again, like having like one clear, concise brand vision and then um, getting our affiliate program started. We have some, and I, I can't mention too much on this because it's, it's in the works, but we've been talking to some very large affiliates in like uh, the pet space and we are going to have a pretty large media rollout by the time we have a perfected product. So what's the biggest piece of advice you wishes you knew before you started this company? Um, yeah, I, biggest piece of advice I wish I knew before starting, how much work it is. Um, it, you, you think like you do the entrepreneurship route, you, you read the four-hour work week, that's all bullshit. The four-hour work week's absolute bullshit. If you, want, if, if you want something, you have to work 80 to 90 hours a week at it. I try to be efficient with it because obviously everyone has flow state, everyone has times when they're more focused than less. Um, and then when I see good progress, I try to keep pushing. Like for example, when our video went viral, like I used all of that serotonin from all the likes, which I mean, that's like a natural thing. Like you're like, oh, we're going viral. Like that's crazy. Okay, let's let's use that and convert that into energy and keep pushing the business forward. So yeah, it's and I think it's staying consistent. I think 
I think like every day is not going to be the same. You, you know, you're kind of like facing different things every day, especially when owning a business. Like uh, you got to talk to a different lawyer or like fees come up that you weren't expecting. And you're like, how do I fund this? Um, I just think the biggest thing is staying curious and trying to find a problem that you have that you think you can make a solution to. And seeing if it resonates with other people. Because if you're the consumer of your own product, you know how to market to yourself. You know how you would want to be sold to. And because this is this product is something that I needed, like I was like actively searching for it and it wasn't there. Um, when we launched it, I, I knew I had, just had a hunch that I wasn't the only one. And then it did numbers like that. So I also think a big thing is following your gut. If it feels right in your gut, yeah, it probably is for sure. Yeah, and I couldn't agree. I mean, the, I mean, like for us, like Mateen and I, we're working every weekday, you know, twelve hours plus. I mean, that's just what it takes. Like we're also a startup. It's just there's no other way. There's no other way. There really isn't. And like, and you also want to surround yourself around people that are okay with that and don't like aren't mad at you for being not as available. You know what I mean? Like you like in your personal relationships and things like that. Like, hey, like I know I was working a nine to five originally, but now I'm working twice as much. You know what I mean? Or if not more. So yeah, I, I think having the right support system is also important. Sure. So if we're gonna have this conversation again. In one year from now, where do you expect things to be for your business? I expect, I hope I, I can uh, take a Europe trip for the first time ever. I would love to see the world um, and just kind of be able to run it off my phone. Um, but yeah, man, hopefully, uh, I, I, I'm hoping it's more of a sense of relief. It's like, okay, we've gotten to the, the launch. We've, we've done, we've hit these milestones we've set out for ourselves. And really just to be able to be like a household name. We think... We think the product's great. It's right at the intersection of work from home and animals, which like if you don't have a kid, that's that's your kid. And if you have a kid, you might even like your animal more than your kid. So yeah, just we we feel like we're we're perfect perfectly positioned. Like work is something you do probably twelve eight, eight hours a day, right? Pets, very, very common. Um the two and we're like one of the first pet office companies. Right. So if if somebody wanted to reach out to you or your business, like, do you mind sharing, you know, the best way to get in contact with you or your company website? Yeah. Yeah. So if it's, if it's regarding business info at seatmate.shop, that is the main uh, sort of inbox for the company. And uh, yeah, like anything like that, we're trying to bootstrap at the moment. Um, there's potential for a, a round of funding, but like, again, I would like to be as independent as possible. Um, but yeah, I mean, like advice, things like that. I'm, I'm always you know, happy to talk about like my experience, things like that. So, well, Andrew, thank you so much for your time. We're rooting for you. Hopefully we can chat again in a year as your company continues to grow. Absolutely, Dan. I appreciate you reaching out and uh, it, it's been a pleasure, my man. Likewise. Thank you, man. Thank, thank you. Thank you, thank you too, Muhammad.